Welcome to this week's episode of the Productivityist Podcast, and I have a very special guest with me today. Uh, we have uh, Tim Pitchell. Uh, he is a procrastination expert. Uh, we've waited too long to have you on the show, Tim. Uh, I've, I've been procrastinating in that event, so I apologize <laughs> and thank you for being on the show this week. Happy to be here, Mike. So first off, both Canadians, which I love. I think you're actually the first Canadian that's on the show other than me, which is great. I mean, we've... we've that's... Yeah, that's kind of sad. Well, it is. You know what's funny is that every uh, there's only a few of us actually that I've found in, in, in my travels when it comes to productivity that are really Canadians that are doing this stuff. There's Hugh Culver. There's Chris Bailey in Ottawa, who I don't know if mm -hmm. you know. Who, yeah, you know Chris, right? You've, have you met him? Yep, I have. We've, he came to my class a few weeks ago, actually. Yeah, there you go. He's good. I mean, that whole life of productivity and the experimentation he's been doing is fantastic stuff. Mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. not very many of us that are actually exploring that in Canada. And I guess maybe, like, is... Do, do you have any thoughts as to why? Because, the, I mean, there's a lot of American, uh, most of my audience is American, right? And, and I, I imagine yes. that most of the people that follow your stuff are, are mostly American as well. Do you think there's a reason that, and I mean, this is going to get a bit uh, a sidebar for anyone who's not Canadian, but do you, do you think there's a reason why Canadians aren't as, you know, let's say, interested in this, or maybe they just haven't had the exposure to it that the Americans have? Well, I don't know if it's a lack of interest. It's just that the United States is so much it's significantly bigger. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. you're going to have more people with that focus. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think that's partly it. Because I, I, I come to the productivity table reluctantly. It took me a long time to figure out, actually, I'm an expert in productivity. Uh, I think it was Brene Brown in yeah. her book, The Gifts of Imperfection. And she writes about, we have to talk about the stuff that gets in the way. And so she went from realizing that she's a shame researcher and understanding that she knows lots about well-being uh, by coming through the stuff that gets in the way. And right. likewise, I've come to productivity that way through what gets in the way. It's funny. That's kind of uh, when I was making my way into the productivity space, I, I initially was doing comedy. And I did the whole Colbert-esque kind of take on productivity initially, kind of a preach to the masses by being uh, uh, through satire. And eventually I just led myself to the actual space itself as a productivity specialist, strategist, whatever you want to call it. Um, but yeah, the, the path was definitely not direct. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to kind of uh, discuss with you today is, I mean, procrastination is one of those things where no matter who you are, I mean, even, even like folks like us who have studied this stuff and look at this stuff, we are not immune to it in any way, shape or form, are we? I mean, I, I think we can, do, do you catch yourself procrastinating or do you find yourself occasionally like procrastinating and, and then, oh, wow, I'm, I'm doing the thing that I, <laughs> that, that I, that I, that I study and shouldn't be doing. Do you find that happening more regularly or, or like in terms of the awareness factor or are you really conscientious about, nope, I'm going to make sure that I avoid this as much as possible? That's a little bit of both. It's interesting the way you phrase the question. I, I catch myself every minute or every day. Like yeah. I, I spend a lot of time wondering what is it we would do if we could do anything we wanted because we have this sort of belief that our motivational state should match the task at hand. I don't know where we learn this, but we kind of believe it. Uh, as I often say, we have the six, a six-year-old running the ship. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I don't feel like it. I don't want to. And I've had a bunch of tasks today that I felt that way about. I have a manuscript that I'm working on reviewing, and I've had a bunch of other things that have come up. And each one of them, I had to use many of the strategies that I write and talk about just to keep myself on track. We're not immune. Not no, by no. any stretch of the imagination. No. Now, mm. now, one of the things that I've come across, and, and I, I think that it's, it's, it's to me, it's, it's one of those things where I, 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 
I guess I set myself up for this on occasion, is when you get good at something, so when you've done things, it's like back when I was doing comedy and theater, is that you, 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 you're not a master of it, but you get, you're gaining mastery of expertise. Do you, I find sometimes that I procrastinate because I know that I've got this. Do you know what I mean? Like I've done it so many times, like, oh, I can wait. And, and instead of starting working on that talk or that manuscript, or whatever, oh, I can, I can crank it out much faster. Don't worry about it. Um, how do you, how do you combat that? Cause that's something I still struggle with, especially when you have so much on your plate, you're like, well, you know what? I've got these other little things that I can knock off this big task. Well, you know what? I've done this before. So I'll wait on it a little bit longer because you know what? I, I I'm, I'm good enough or I'm, I'm, you know, I can fake it till you make it kind of thing. I'm not saying that's exactly what I do, <laughs> but you know what I mean, yeah. right? Well, yeah, but what you're doing is doing a good job of describing that gray area mm. that, I think there sometimes it can be classic procrastination, but when you when you have a lot of competence in an area, it's not, not procrastination anymore. It's quite strategic delay. There's a part of you that's worried because you're only as good as your last performance, mm-hmm. and so you start to get that anticipatory. I should be working on this now, but then better reason comes up and says, "No, you have got a lot of things to do, and you you know this. You'll pull this off." And it's not hubris per se. It's not that you're digging a hole and saying like you might have when you didn't have the skills oh I work so much better under pressure or I'll feel more like doing this tomorrow you're saying no I I know I can put this together in a shorter period of time I need not act now I'm going to get a bunch of other things done and I think discerning the difference is desperately important you've got to know when you're trying to deceive yourself just to make yourself feel better and other times when you're actually making a good judgment call based on your expertise and your ability at the time so that's really an interesting way you phrased it because I think a lot of us end up beating ourselves up as if all delay is procrastination and it's not the tough part is that it requires a lot of insight into oneself to know when you're just giving in to feel good versus you're making a rational decision all things considered do you focus more on task than time so do you use like a a, you know one of the things i've talked about is is that because when we end up using a time-based mindset you know we focus on you know hey i've got to get this done by this date you know like the date becomes prevalent uh you end up putting yourself in a position where you are almost forcing yourself to deal with items of urgency you're more reactive whereas Mm -hmm. if you're task based in in your mindset and in your thinking you're working towards you know delivering the goods on specific tasks and you get done more often than not ahead of deadline uh, sometimes, you know, miles ahead of the deadline. Do you find that that you are a more of a task-based uh, mindset person or time-based, or do you find you ebb and flow? I ebb and flow. That's a really good question. Uh, my research uh, has led me to think a lot like David Allen does. Mm. So when I read what he's talked about, I'm fiercely action-oriented. Uh, you know, I, my favorite phrase of his is, what's the next action? And so I'm always defining it at the level of the action. But then my own research understands that all action is taken in a temporal context because procrastination is all about temporality of our actions. That, well, again, going back to David Allen, we don't do projects, we do actions. And so it's jumping between projects and actions that brings in temporality. So I can do actions now, but projects are extended over time. And so I have to set a deadline, for example. When ideally do I want to be done this project and how much wiggle room do I need? Because I could get done at the last second, but boy, if there's any problems, I'm really, my back's against the wall. So I, I, I bounce between a couple of things in a practical sense. I love the app Things. And so in terms of David Allen's you know, filing system, 
everything goes into things for me. And at that point, some of it becomes schedulable because I'll, I'll say it's a task and I'll give it a due date. But until it's in my calendar, it's not really real. So let's say if you use an app like things uh, on, at 6.30 in the morning for me, today pops up and says, these are the things that are due today. Some of them may be in my calendar, some may not. And they have to get put in my calendar before I know they're going to get done because the schedule is real. Uh, mm-hmm. time, time is a zero-sum game. So at that point, then I become more time oriented. But you know, for the most part, I'm I'm always thinking about what's the next action because that's the thin edge of the wedge for me always to get going. Uh, it's because it's easy for me otherwise to want to uh, kind of give in to feel good and not want to do the things that I've got to do. Yeah, see, I think a lot of people, they look at their list. First off, their list isn't segmented at like things allows you to do, right? So mm-hmm. you can't get – and, I mean, you as, – as someone who studied David Allen, I mean, I'm a context guy. I try to work by context as much mm. as possible because that mm-hmm. helps with, you know, combating against procrastination because you're not sitting there going, okay, well, I'm stuck on this project now. What do I do? Oh, wait a minute. I'll do all of my emails now because I can go into email and say, instead of going into email with a question, right, which is, I wonder what email I have. I go in with a mission, which is, hey, here are the emails I need to deal with. Oh, yes, and there'll be some other emails that have come my way. But I don't go in with with, with a Pavlovian kind of, hey, uh, whatever email tells me to do, I do. The task manager tells me what to do. It's the one that says, hey, here are the 18 emails. And really, it's me that's telling me what to do. I just did it, you know days, weeks, you know, hours, whatever beforehand. I use Todoist for my task management uh, as opposed to Things, which which I love. Um, things is Mac only, though. Just for, for those listeners out there, Things is, uh, is, Mac, is Mac and iOS only. I'm, I'm a Mac guy. <laughs> I get yeah, it. So, yeah, me too. But I have been since 85. But yes, yeah, I think that focus on context yeah. is really important because you've, like, I think one of the things about any of these list makers is that boy, the lists get big. Like you mm-hmm. think, holy mackerel, do I ever have a lot to do? Uh, but that's why you're breaking it down to these actionable steps and that notion of context so that when, whatever context I'm in, I can think about, well, how much time do I have? Mm-hmm. How much energy do I have? And then what priority is this? And so I can put all those things together and say, well, I can use the next five minutes productively this way. And although everyone, you know, whether it be Robert Posen or um, David Allen or anyone in the group, uh, Brian Tracy, all of these uh, gurus that people are always talking about, they'll always say things like, don't multitask, multitask strategically. Because I can multitask at home, like I can eat my bowl of oatmeal in the morning while I'm running around the house doing a couple other things, getting the kids ready. That's a strategic use of multitasking because I don't usually choke while I'm eating. But, yeah. <laughs> but I, don't, I don't fool myself at my own desk. No. I don't, I don't try to do things that are cognitively demanding and multitask. So I'm always prepared, given the circumstances, to make every minute count. And again, not because I'm driven somehow, but because I want to make the best use of my time so that I free up time for other things I want to do. I don't want to always be working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and the other thing that I find about context is that they've evolved over time too. Like I know David's working on the, the well, the next edition of Getting Things Done comes out in March. But one of the things that I've, I've found is that contacts have evolved because obviously the technology has evolved, but also how there are more people that are trying to figure out how to do, first off, they're trying to figure out how to do more, which is not the right you know, question or the right mission. The right mission should be doing the right stuff, like doing the stuff that's going to really propel them forward, right? Mm-hmm. And 
So I'm using, and I know that Sven Fetchner over at Simplicity Bliss has talked about this as well, is that I know when you're talking about context, it's like, how much time do I have? How much energy do I have? But some people are actually just skipping that whole, hey, this is my desk and here's the context. They're saying, I am going to work on my desk and what low, uh, I'm not feeling 100% right now. So what low energy tasks can I do at my desk? So they're actually using energy levels as context as well. So they're, they're kind of scraping a little bit away from, from the way GTD is set up to kind of give them a bit more of something that they can connect to right away. Because GTD, while I love it, a lot of people start reading and they're like, well, capture everything, forget this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, for sure. Honestly, I choked on the first half of the book. Because I, I just thought, holy mackerel, this guy, is he ever organized? Like, I don't know if I could live that way. But then at another time, as he explains, you know, it's freeing in some respects. Mm. But, you know, there's no one system. I think every one of these gurus say this, and I'm sure you do too. Yep. There's no one system that fits everyone. And I'm sure listeners feel that way. They're listening for the things that align with all the way they're working now. And how can I improve it? You know, what is it you can share with me today that will improve what I'm doing? Because I'm not you and you're not me. And that, that takes us back to another uh, understanding of the word context. Mm -hmm. Very subjective, incredibly subjective. One of the ways I try to describe context to people because they, they have a hard time wrap because we're, they have their hard time wrapping their head around it because they think linearly, right? They think projects, projects are linear. You know, I have to work on this project. I'll work on the project until I can't anymore and move to the next project. I kind of draw context akin to going grocery shopping. When you go grocery shopping, you know you have things that you need to buy. And you know you're not going to go in and shop by day of the week. Like, okay, on Monday I'm going to go have steak and potatoes. Okay, let's go to the meat section and pick those up and let's go to produce, pick up the potatoes. We come back to the center of the store and I go, okay, oh, you know, uh, Tuesday I'm having chicken and uh, broccoli. <laughs> like, yeah. people don't shop like that. They shop by context. They go, I'm going to go to the meat section. Because contexts are really, you can... If you want to get, you know, reductive, they can be considered categories, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so when people that and that's the hardest thing. And I guess one of the things I wanted to ask you and kind of discuss was we, you talk about what's the next action. And I, I'm all about that, too. But most people, they're asking themselves the wrong question. They're not saying what's the next action. They're like, what do I do next or what's next? They don't give themselves enough they don't use verbs enough. Is, do you think that's a huge uh, uh, kind of um, stumbling block when people are procrastinating? Is that they're not they're not uh, articulating well enough in terms of executional or, or executable verbs like go to the store. They're just basically grabbing things and putting it on their list and then looking at it and going, I have no idea what this means, but I'll, I'll struggle with it for a while to figure it out. And oh my God, now I'm done struggling, figuring out what it is. And now I don't have the energy or time to do it anymore. <laughs> well, yeah. So you've said so much there and I, I agree with it all, especially the last part that we can spend so much time spinning our wheels, planning and making lists that we think we've got something done. And not only do we, we may not have the energy to do anything, but now we feel like, oh, things are under control and I don't feel any motivation left because I've used a lot of that energy around just planning. And I can guarantee when people make lists like that, most of them are tagged, or if not all of them, for tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Like nothing, nothing is scheduled right now. But you know what I find in terms of what gets in the way is that Yes, I think that people can make more vague goal intentions than they will specific actionable items. So they, they make these vague goal intentions as opposed to what someone like Peter Galwitz or now I'll talk about a psychologist as opposed to some of these productivity gurus would call an implementation intention. If, then. So if this is done, that's my stimulus and environment, then I'm doing that. When, then is the other way of doing it. Then I think what we have to get ready for, though, is that just because we make these plans, got ourselves all organized, and we know what the next actions items are, and we're considering the context we're in, that we somehow think our feelings are going to line up like the stars. 
And most of the time what we have to get past is that resistance, that inner reluctance to get going. And for me at that point, it becomes, I, I try to trick myself into working. So one of my personal mantras that you've probably heard is just get started. I just find mm. somewhere to get started. No, it doesn't matter where, just getting some momentum. And and so I'll, I'll say to myself, okay, just work on this for five minutes. You can do anything for five minutes. And it doesn't matter you're starting at the beginning. Just start somewhere. And so for me, so much of it becomes that self-talk that's quite negative, the the fast brain, as Tversky would say, in terms of the limbic system kicking in and you having this rush of emotions, and they're all negative. Uh, those are the places where I think that my own work speaks to productivity because what all we've talked about so far is what's necessary but not sufficient. It's necessary to be planful. It's necessary to be action-oriented. It's necessary to take in context. It's not sufficient if what stands in the way in the end is you going... Ah, I don't feel like it. I don't want it, and then and then walking away. Yeah. And then and I think we all understand what that feels like. You you know what you ought to be doing, but you're not. So before we wrap up, one of the things that I've found, and, and this is something that again, kind of diverting back to GTD a little bit, is that you know David starts from the tent, the runway, right, the making of the list, and then goes up. A lot of other people, and we'll talk, you know, like Covey and and. Uh, even Robbins, uh, although I you mean he's taken stuff from everywhere, those kind of guys, they start from the the bigger goal, the, you mm-hmm. know, what do I want to do this year? What what are my roles? What are, what way do you think is, is the, for people who are stuck, like, so they've uh-huh. got all this daily activity, what, which way, what do you suggest people do when they're stuck and they're just going through this, you know, hamster wheel of the day to day to day? How, how do you, Make how do you uh, approach these things so that they do have uh, something that they can look to to get themselves moving forward, or at least just moving in a direction, as opposed to just you know you know go 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 with really no direction uh, other than okay I'm done the day my list is complete now I can go home and and you know watch the voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. It's, I'm going to get a plug for my uh, supervisor. He's retired now. He's actually over in Cambridge. He just finished a book called Me, Myself, and Us, The Science of Personality and the Art of Well-Being. And I love the title he chose because there's a science to things and there's an art. And, and living our lives that enhances, in a way that enhances our well-being and productivity is certainly part of that is certainly an art form. Because when we're stuck, we have to be able to discern exactly the answer to your question what's going to get me unstuck and it's a trade-off between meaning and manageability on the one hand are these larger values and goals that everyone talks about setting and being clear on what you value and what your goals are on the other end of the extreme is in what's the next action item so one's focused on manageability and the other meaning and we always have to bounce between the two they have to be in balance and the discernment comes into is it that I feel a lack of meaning and, and I can't get going because I just don't know why I'm doing this? Or do I not know how to do this? And what we found in our research is that depending on where we are in a project, projects have a, a lifespan, a temporality to them that there's an inception or planning stage that's early. And then there's the actual action stage and closure. And they're, they're different in terms of what gets in the way. At the beginning, our actions are liable to break down when we lack meaning when we don't know the why. This just doesn't do anything for me. But later on in the action phase, it's usually, is it structured well? Do I know the next steps? 
And so I would encourage learners, uh, learners, <laughs> listeners. Um, too they're, much of they're professor. learners too. They're learners yeah, we too. All, we are all <laughs> learners, that's for sure. But it's just the professor coming out of me. Um, it's, you know, I would encourage everyone to think about, so where is the project? If this is the action stage, I'd probably think more about rolling out uh, structure and reducing uncertainty and asking for help and trying to identify the actions. But if it's an early part of a project and I'm floundering, I'd try to go back to those core values and goal statements and say, so what's the meaning here again? What, what's going to fuel my fire? And it's that balance between meaning and manageability. And quite frankly, sometimes that will go, that can bounce back and forth within an hour because when you'll hit a tough spot and you'll want to give up and you have to do some value affirmation to keep your seat of your pants on the seat of your chair. And other times it's not so much that you don't understand why you're doing it, but you think, what's next? Like, and that's when you kind of do the call a friend. Like, I need some advice. I'm stuck here. I, I, I don't know what my next move is. So there isn't an easy answer to that one because you have to do a little discernment. That's the art of well-being, as Brian Little talks about in that title of the book. Yeah, it's. it's uh, I think a lot of people, they'll go in and figure that the process is what will solve the problem. You know, oh, well, if I have this process in place, it's, but it's, again, who's running the process? Yes. We run smack dab into ourselves. Exactly. That's the problem. And, exactly. and as I joked earlier, and we find out that the six-year-old's in charge, you know, the, the person inside of us, like I have a seven-year-old now, but I loved when he was six because he was always saying to me, I don't want it. I don't feel like yep. it. <laughs> I didn't ask you how you felt or what you wanted to do. Yeah, I've got a four-year-old who's actually okay. watching show, uh, TV right now. I've got a nine-year-old daughter, a four-year-old son, as, as my listeners okay. know. And, uh, you know, one of the things I always talk about, and this is kind of the last thing we'll just touch on, is that kids, I look at kids, and it was one of the things that I've, I've noticed is kids are incredible task managers. They're absolutely like, and when they're learning something, forget it. They're right into it, right? Do you know what I mean? Like tying a shoe. You know, my son is learning how to tie shoes. He's done with Velcro. He's going to learn how to do this loop, loop, and pull. But the problem is, is, uh, you know, you, you're, you're, you've got pride, right? You're like, oh man, this is so awesome. He's learning how to do this, and then all of a sudden, he really wants to do it, and you've got to get going somewhere, and he's just focused on I'm going to do this right. Oh, I screwed up. I'm going to do it again. Kids don't have a sense of time until we put them into, you know, educational institutions and and school and stuff. And and that's a good thing. I think we need to give them uh, time constraints. I think what what I've seen over the years um, is that what happens is we tend to sway the other way. We tend to go, okay, uh, you need to have this done by by this day. You need to have this done by this day instead of, um, you know, so quantity of uh, and time becomes a driving force as opposed to do really well at this thing do you know what i mean and i know it's a balance but man um whenever i mean he's he's in the process of finishing up you know learning how to tie his shoes and i'm like oh man we better start 15 minutes early to get out the door because otherwise you know i'm going to be stressed out he's going to be stressed out and i'm just going to go okay wait wait wait. let me just do it let me and that's not going to solve anything that's not going to help him so i've found that kids um and i mean i'm sure you've seen this too uh, are just they, they when they want to do something that's what they're doing it doesn't matter what time of day it is it doesn't matter whatever they have no concept of time they learn that we teach them that but they're task oriented to to no end well they can be and and yet school drives some of that out of them it seems and you know another thing that listeners might want to think about is that many of us have read countless numbers of titles that we've talked about the authors of mm-hmm. Um, but a, another way to start thinking about understanding our own productivity is on understanding our own learning. And a fantastic book is called Make It Stick, The Science of Successful Learning. Chip and Dan Heath, yeah. 
because it shows so so clearly that we don't learn in linear fashions and we have to make mistakes and so this is part of being human and i picked up on this notion of you know you've got pride and you you're trying to learn to tie your shoes but making mistakes is something that can defeat you and make you not want to try again and and i think that's true in all of our productivity we have to be willing to make mistakes and the last thing i would add for listeners is that some of our research has shown that we also have to have a good dose of self-forgiveness because when we self-forgive, we're willing to try again. And when we don't self-forgive, we harbor this motivation, which is mainly avoidance. I don't want to go there again. Like, it just hurts too much. Mm. So this self-compassion, uh, paradoxically, is really important to being able to really embrace a life that you might consider very self-disciplined. That you, you it, There's a, a balance there that you're going to take two steps forward and one step back, and you better be willing to deal with those days when you don't live up to your own expectations. It's going to happen. And you're going to have to have some self-forgiveness and some self-compassion because I'll go back to the Make It Stick book. Learning isn't linear like that. Tim, this has been a great conversation. I've had a blast. Uh, we're going to wrap up now. Where can people find you? I know you've got the book, you know, uh, the uh, um, Solving the Procrastination. Give me the full title. I've got solving, it. Solving the Procrastination Puzzle. It's it. Solving the Procrastination Puzzle. But, you know, there's a lot of resources that I have on my website, a, a very out-of-date website uh, Apologize for that, but it's the way it is. Procrastination.ca. It's kind of fitting. uh, Yeah, it'll hook up too well. It's just that I don't. Yeah, I I was doing the teaching my students HTML codes back in the early '90s, telling Mm. them you got to learn how to do this, and and they did. And so uh, I'm not big on just making it flashy. It's functional. Yeah. Um, Anyhow, there's um, a blog on psychology today. So if you'd like to read about research, I've I've summarized a lot of research there. And for your listeners who like podcasts, I Procrastinate is a podcast available on iTunes. And I interview my colleagues, my students, and sometimes I just talk about research related to procrastination. So if if you find yourself getting in your own way, that might be a place to go. Awesome. Thanks so much for being on the Productivities Podcast this week, Tim. I had a great time. Nice to meet you. And uh, stick with the rain there in Victoria. And I'll stick with the snow here in uh, the Ottawa Valley. (laughs) Thanks again, Tim. Take care, Mike.